All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for Karis Bible Study, Virginia Beach. And we are on lesson seven, lesson seven in the grace, the power of the gospel series. Now, tonight's lesson is entitled Dead to Sin. Dead to Sin. So we're going to spend a lot of time in Romans chapter six tonight. So let's go there. Romans six. Romans six. And we're going to start at verse one. Six, verse one, and, and we'll go down to verse four. Romans six, one to four, and I'll read that in the New Living Translation, and it reads this way: Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. Now we also may live new lives. Now, we've talked about how the gospel, when it's presented in its fullness, you're going to get this type of question, like Paul got in verse 1. Right? When you hear, you hear about the totality of what God has provided in his forgiveness. Then verse 1 is a natural response. And we talked about last week about the benefits, the reasons to live, to live holy and what that actually looks like. Okay. So we are going to continue to, to go down that road here. The title of our lesson being dead to sin. How many of you heard the phrase people use? They'll say, you're dead to me. Well, that's dead to me. All right. So when you hear that, what does that mean? What are people trying to say? Down with you. Yeah. Okay. Done with you. Don't matter. It's over. Separation. All right. Well, Paul said we did the sin. We are dead to sin. Now, when you hear that, how does that hit you? You are dead to sin. Before I understood it, I was like, that scripture got to be lying because <laughs> I'm still sinning. I'm looking in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, so before I understood it, that was the response. I was like, I can't be dead to sin because I'm still sinning. Okay. I feel like almost like a judgment feeling, like you know, if it, I know I'm not dead to it, so like I'm not living up to it somehow. Okay. Okay. So in a sense of failure. Yeah. All the time. Yep. That's what I've had to keep working out of. I agree. Now, I noticed something in the Amplified. In verse 2, it says, when, when it uses the past tense, it says, Certainly not. How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer? It's past tense. 
In New Living Translation, it says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So obviously now we got, you know, this, this, we have to kind of look at this scripture and say, what is he talking about? It's just like Eric said, somebody lying. If you look, you know, your eye, we look in the mirror, we look at ourselves, and we read the scriptures like, Paul, what you talking about? You must have just been talking to Roman Christians. You ain't talking to us American <laughs> Christians, us, us Newport News, Virginia Beach Christians. You No, you got to be talking about somebody else. But we have to look at what he's really saying here when he says dead to sin. Because when we hear the word sin, what do we think about? Behavior. We think about actions, actions right? Yeah. The actions of sin, right? But what he's really referring to is the old man. It's in nature. We are we are dead to that. We are no longer in bondage to that sin nature, to the, the old man. So when you look at it like that, then it it you can see what Paul is communicating here, and it'll make sense as you as we go go throughout the chapter and read it, because he's not just talking about individual behavior here; he's talking about the very essence of who we are, our nature. Because before we were born again, what were we? Children of the devil, that's what the Bible calls. Okay. All right. Children of darkness, mm -hmm. separated. From the womb, before we even started doing things, exactly. which is really hard to receive. But that's yeah, that's why David said he was born in sin, and he shaped in iniquity. Mm. Did I say something? Mm -hmm. But it seems like he's. Can you bring that up again? It seems like he's saying, like he's almost correcting them. You know, like maybe they were thinking, oh, you know, I, I have grace, so like I could keep on doing whatever I want. That's what it seemed like to me. You know, should we continue in sin and practice sin? So it almost seems like he's saying that some people could use grace as almost like, you know, blank check. Like I could keep on doing whatever I want because I have grace and that's going to cover everything. Mm -hmm. That's good. Right. Some people will say, right. like he said, if we teaching grace, right? Some people say they use this like, well, oh, well, you giving people a license to sin, which you know, and that's what Paul was kind of saying, because oh, so we we got license to sin now because we're under grace, and that's not what they're saying, you know. But the, the that is the question, though. That's right. the question of other people. But that's not the answer that Paul's getting. He's correcting them and right. saying it's it's not an issue of your doing first. It's who you are first. Right. Um, okay, I wasn't getting that. Cause, but at the same time, this is what I think. Like a few weeks ago, you were talking about resting, labor to rest, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing we have to work for is to get into to let the Holy Spirit work through us, right? Mm -hmm. So, so the thing is, we're we're not we can't overcome this sin. Like we ourselves can't do it, right? Yeah, right. Correct. So, it has to be God's grace in us. But you all are reading it like that. He's saying. Say, say what you said again, Mary. I, what I said was that the question in verse 1 um, that other people are saying is we can, we can keep doing sin because grace abounds. And he's answering them that that's absolutely wrong because you now are a new creation and have been taken out of sin. That your sin has your sin nature has died with Christ. So it's who you are. It's not 
first and foremost what you do. Your doing will come out of who you believe you are. And and your actions will change, but but they cannot change until you are changed. And Christ did that for us. And now because he's done that for us, we we walk in that victory and and that it that um, doing no more entices us the same way. It's not got our number the same way as it has before. Because honestly, you know, looking at looking at the totality of you know this chapter, it's not an either or. You know, because Tina's making a point mm. that I, I hear Paul saying that here. I hear him saying that, right? Because let's go back to to chapter five. All right, the, the lead up to this. All right, so I'm going to start at verse 17 and go down to 21 and pay close attention to verse 20. All right. All right, the New Living Translation, it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin, and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought to them death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now you see... And in King James, it says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds, right? Mm -hmm. So as a, as a carnal person, all right, when I say carnal, I mean a believer, but someone who's allowing themselves to be ruled by their five senses, you hear that and you like, okay, yeah. I have a chance. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can, I can, yeah. So God gonna forgive me. Why, why, so why, why? I have restraint. I can do what I want to do, right? And there were people that were bringing that type of attitude to the table. Who, you know? Then Paul says, "Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace?" And what does He say? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So he's really calling their hearts and and getting them to look at where where is their where is their allegiance now? So yeah, I can hear that. Pretty much what he's doing. Because think about because he says. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue in it? It's, it's, you know, it's like preposterous. Because that's no longer who you are anymore. Living in the works of the flesh, that's not who we are anymore. Now, in, in practicality, in practicality, are, are these things still temptations? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And see, and the thing about it is, as we grow, we'll, we may graduate from the overt sins, the, the, the drunkenness, the revelry, mm -hmm. the fornication, all that stuff. But we'll graduate to the sins that you can't see with your eyes, mm -hmm. the strife. The bitterness, the unforgiveness, mm -hmm. that type of stuff. But it's all works of the flesh. Mm -hmm. Right. I was listening to this preacher and he was talking about idols. 
you know, like there's nothing wrong with money, but hmm. you know, we all need money. But when you put that on the altar before God or your, you know, success or whatever it is, and it's edging your relationship with God out, then it's sin, you know? Right. 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 So anything can be sin if it's taken the place of God, your mm -hmm. relationship. That's good. I was thinking. You know, I, I look at it like, um, you know, I, sports was a big part of my life for quite a while. It's like being on, it's like two different teams, like Team Sin, Team Righteousness. It's like when you're on Team Sin, and if, say, you no longer want to be on Team Sin, there's nothing you can actually do to ever get on team righteousness. You can, you know, jump through all the hoops, practice longer, um, um, do extra days, um, you know, pray, um, you know, like seven days in a row, eight hours a day. You can do all kinds of things but you never can get off team sin and get on team righteousness. Then you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're on team righteousness. So once you get on team righteousness, you're on another team. And I, I'm going to go ahead and say, because I feel like a lot of times, <clears throat> pastors, I guess in particular, maybe because they got a flock and they know who's listening. You actually can continue to sin if you want to. And you still won't leave team righteousness and go back to team sin. Because David, I think it's uh he's an old testament guy, but I think it's quoted in might even be quoted in Romans, where he says, Blessed is the man whose sins are no longer imputed against, no longer count against. Because you're on team righteousness, your sins don't count against you according to God. So you, whatever you do on team righteousness, you can never be put back on team sin. Regardless of how many sins you do, if you saw sinning extra, if you saw sinning eight days, you know, doing all the really ungodly sins, you know, the ones Julius mentioned, you still, you never can go team righteousness back to team sin. Yeah, I remember hearing something about how you, you, you are forgiven all your sins and grace abounds, but it's kind of like um, you can thwart God's goodwill in your life. You know, you can choose the wrong thing. And I've done this in my life, you know. One time I remember I, I wanted to have a relationship with this guy and, and God specifically told me, do not go there. And I did. And boy, uh, for the next 10 years of my life, I'm telling you what, my life was just turned upside down. So, you know, I know that I'm still forgiven, but boy, you can really mess up your life, you know, even though you're forgiven. So, but the question people need to ask themselves is, you know, and this is the question that really would do it for it. what what makes you a sinner? And most of you know, I think I asked somebody that a while back, you know, what makes you a sinner? And she was, you know, the person was like, my behavior. And I said, no, it doesn't. Your behavior does not make you your sinner. As Julia said, okay, David said, we was born in sin. So if you're born with that, okay, so what did you do when you was born? She said, you didn't do nothing. You know, you didn't steal anything. You didn't, you know, cuss nobody out. You didn't do none of that. But you were still a sinner. And then we read um, Romans 5 where because of Adam, we're all born into with a sinful nature. That's who you are. As you no, know, Kevin was saying, okay, so ain't nothing you can do to get off that team because mm -hmm. you have the nature. 
nothing you can do. You can do all the good deeds you want. It's not going to get you off that team until you accept Jesus Christ. Okay, now you on God's team. Now, once again, what is sin missing the mark? Okay, you continue to miss the mark, but it's not going to change you on what team you on. And I think people, we miss that because we have this mindset that, well, if I, if I sin, I'm a sinner. That's who I am. But when you become born again, that's not your identity anymore. Mm -hmm. That's not your identity. Your identity is you are the righteous in Christ Jesus. Even though I'm still missing the mark, but I'm still the righteous in Christ Jesus. And that's what most people need to, you know, keep in the back of their minds that uh, that that is grace. And his grace, that's why he did what he had to do on the cross on our behalf. So that we, when we fall, when we see ourselves falling short, we won't just continue to stay there. We'll move forward and say, you know what? God has forgiven all everybody of sin, past, present, future. Sins have all been forgiven, you know. And I'm going to continue with my my decision to stay with Christ and walk in His Word instead of you know. Some people get like um, I'm thinking they they fall back because they've done something they feel like they they shouldn't have done, and God hasn't forgiven them. That's not the case. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So this, I think that's what this is primarily, you know, is to let us know that we're in it. Once we've once we've received it, it's ours to have for life. You know, we all going to fall short. You know, number one person, maybe two, that lived on this earth without sin. Who's the second? I, you know, the Bible does say there is a, a, a Jesus says something about another person. Mother Mary, right? Huh? It's mother. No, no, it's nobody. It, I'm a, I'm a, no, I'm a, no, it's nobody. It ain't nobody but Jesus. Yeah, he was no, only, he was the only one. That it was, I can't say that he was saying it was perfect, but he gave him. It was a compliment. There is a compliment somewhere in the Bible where he, you know, um, I can't think of who it was. So, are you talking about John the Baptist when he said, "There's none greater among men than John the Baptist." Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, he, but he that is he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, right? right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just thinking, like you know, um, it's to help us stay within God's good graces, you know, to stay focused on, you know, continue to do what God says us tells us to do, you know, and. That's just my. Well, the observation I've seen is when we sin, the tendency is to pull back because of guilt. But what I'm thinking is when he says, certainly not, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? It's like if we're if we're sitting with Jesus, if we're beholding Jesus through his word and through his presence with us. It's going to transform us just like two married couples start looking more like each other as the years go on. They start sounding more like each other as the years go on. The closer you stay with them, the more you draw to the center rather than staying on the fringe and kind of putting your toe in the water all the time. You know, it, it's going to draw you to be like Jesus. Yeah. It, it, it's going to, that glory is going to shine. That's good. That's good. So basically, you know, in that example, you're getting the practical, a a practical analogy of how who who we are in the spirit, the type of union that we have with him in the spirit, how we can manifest itself now in in our three dimensional three dimensional world that we can touch and see, right? Because the more the more time we spend with him. The more time we spend in his word, just in interacting with him, interacting with his people, you're going to start to look a little more like him. You're going to start to think a little more like him. You're going to start to talk a little more like him. Why? Because you're around him and his people more. And right? the things that, that are not a part of him are just going to be more distasteful after a while. Right. And it's not, it's not going to be something that you have to will yourself up to do. You know, your, your tastes are going to change. It's just going to match 
the, the inward change that has already happened when you received him in the beginning. Old things passing away, all things becoming brand new. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Right. So let's keep let's keep reading. Because we're gonna get to what we, we heard Kevin talk about in verses twelve to fifteen. Well, go back to verse five. It says, Since we've been united with him in his death, referring to Christ Jesus, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we die with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. All right. So you see how he's, he's talking about our identity here, right? who we are. And then... Verse 12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So you see in verses 12 to 14 here, you hear the call to action. Right? Before he was telling you who you are, he was announcing the reality of your freedom. And I know um, Andrew uses the, the example in the book of the, the emancipation, right? So, you know, when the Emancipation Proclamation was, was given, right, you know, it declared slaves were free. But what happened? So I'll leave here. I know about it. Yeah. Same thing with World War II. So... Some people, they didn't know, they didn't know that they were free. It was years later until they heard about their freedom. So can you see the parallel in your Christian life? Think about it. When did you, when did you come to the reality of your, of your freedom, the totality of your freedom? In Christ, that that sin did not have to dominate you, that you are not a just a sinner saved by grace anymore. That's not you. Long after salvation, <laughs> I unfortunately, think it's a process too. It, yeah. I think it is. But that's, right. that's the sanctification process. That's another. That's yeah. Another lesson for another day. Right, <laughs> right. Because the reality is, once you once you were born again, you were a new creation. Old things passed away. That reality occurred right then. But if we don't, but as as we become aware in our in our minds, our minds are renewed. Then we can see the, the reality of our freedom, like what we are, have been freed from. I've also heard the example of, you know, it's just like a pig. I mean, they just going to run into mud. Mm -hmm. Now you can take him out, clean him up, mm -hmm. but he's going to run to mud. Yeah. Because in his nature, that's who he is. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. He can't help it. That's good. You know, and that's what we were when we were sinners. You just go on to it. But, okay, if it's possible to change the pig's nature, he's not going to do that. But that was the pig's nature. But once, once we become to Christ, we no longer have the nature to do that. Okay, that's not you anymore. You don't, you know, should be running to that. It's like, but as he's saying, once you get your thinking that, okay, this is not me anymore. You know, and even gonna, if you do sit in the mud, you're still not a pig. Anymore. Exactly, you're still not a pig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because you may that pig may go back to that mud, right? But he don't like it. But it's it's not going to be the same. No. Mm-hmm. You know, once the nature's changed. If he, you know, because back in the day, a pig, a pig in his slop, he at home. Yeah. Right? But if you put the... He doesn't the, even know how disgusting that right. is. <laughs> you, put, you put the nature of a turtle or a fish or something inside the pig, it's not going to it's not gonna be comfortable in that environment, even though that's what it's used to. Right. It's like, hold on. This don't feel right. This don't feel the same. And see, in those moments, when we do miss the mark, and we're reminded of the reality of our righteousness, that's what's going to help call us out of that mud. Not the condemnation. Because the condemnation is going to, what it's going to do is do what? It's going, down. it's going to shut you down and, and convince you that that is where you belong because that's who you truly are, you sinner. You feel trapped in it. Right. Yeah. You you know, there's a scripture somewhere, I don't know if it's near here or not, where it talks about us, how we shouldn't be sin conscious, you know, even, and I, and I take that to mean to not even be thinking about it so much or not be one of the forefronts of our, our in our mind or our thoughts. You know, it's kind of like this world system is, is so performance-driven. And so, with, you know, with that in mind, it's like, does that cause us to that, you know, why we have in this class to, to people to stumble here at this point or to, you know, with this, you know, greasy grace, uh, can I do what I want or, you know, being so thinking about sin and whereas maybe if we didn't even just think about it and just live free, it, it would be better off, you know, we wouldn't be constantly, you know, condemning ourselves or or something like that you know or you know I, I was just thinking about that when you were saying that you know it's like just embrace that new nature of righteousness more and not and live our lives and not think about sin so much I think uh, Paul wrote in his letters a couple of times you know about growing you know, growing in grace and in the knowledge of God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace, mercy, peace to be multiplied or things like that. You know, it's like, you know, if our focus, it's almost like if our focus seems like if it's not on doing the right thing, that we'll kind of do the right thing and, and just, you know, focus on that relationship. Anyway. I think one of the things I've been learning is, um, We'll never avoid. Something's going to fill the space if we're not focusing on sin. But what I'm learning is God's given us a better weapon, which is praise. So when you, when the sin wants your attention and you turn around the other way and start praising the Lord as you see him in the moment, whatever facet of that it is, it diverts your attention, and now you can start to grow in the grace of the Lord again, and 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 um, have a renewed uh, renewed mind. I guess it really is because your spirit's already done, but it's your mind that's playing the games, your heart. 
the right. soul. But the, I think praise is one of the best weapons for um, countering that that uh, that desire for whatever's calling us. Right, prayer and thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Galatians five. I'm going to start at verse 16, 16 to 18. I'm going to put scripture to what Kevin was saying. All right. I'm going to read it in King James and then in the New Living Translation. King James says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm going to read it again. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. All right, and the New Living Translation reads like this. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So you see verse 16, what Paul is saying. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Walk in the Spirit. Yielding to the Spirit. If the, the emphasis on, is on that, then we don't, we don't have to focus on not sinning because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. We're, we're, we're trusting in, in what he, how he's leading us instead of me using my self-effort to try to resist sin. Which just hyper-focuses it <laughs> right. on the very thing you don't want to right. do. So, and in, 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 as you know, the more you focus on something, it gets bigger. Right. That attention magnifies. But script, that's why the scripture says magnify the Lord. Question: I know because somebody asked me this months ago. Well, they were saying that like, Christians commit sin; they don't practice sin. Which he was thinking, so hmm. if you practice sin, then you not you can't be a Christian. Which means he was saying that um, if you live a certain lifestyle, like you just in this lifestyle which goes against the word of God, and you continue to stay in it and hmm. You live in it, and you kind of embrace it. But you say you're a Christian, then you're not really a Christian. He was like, Christians commit sin. They don't practice sin. And he used the scripture in reference, um, you know, First, first John, John chapter 3, mm -hmm. I think verse 9. And um, But and I was like, okay, I didn't agree with him. He was making it sound like... We get to the point where we just have to... Say the Lord knows the heart of a man, and leave it alone. The conversation. Yeah, on but it. he tries. I mean, there comes a know, point where we don't, we don't know the he heart. He was simply saying that you know, okay, yeah, was, and we when we do that, we only we only talk about it. Well, it's only certain lifestyles that you win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we do that, it's like okay, we know this lifestyle, or we, the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. We know you can't do that. But there's so much Christian. like what you were saying that's inside of us right. that we don't even address because we can't see everybody else's mess. So if you were doing this certain lifestyle, then there's no way in the world because, you know, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't just, you would get out of that or you wouldn't stay in it. I keep thinking of Lot. God had to pull that man out of that city, <laughs> you know, by the hand, literally. And yet he was a righteous man in Hebrews. Right. You know, it's... Okay. But, all right, all right. Then we're gonna divert a little bit, like we normally do, because I got, I got, I got to speak to this because 
the scripture says what it says, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So let, let's just go ahead and read it in First John 3. And we'll start at verse. Start at verse four. This is this is where he's coming from. Let's go down to verse ten. All right. It says everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Any Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Who has been sinning since the beginning? But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Okay. Now, Scripture says what it says, right? Yeah, it right. So, now I think the place where we get in trouble is where we are in 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 our sitting where we are as man as human being trying to judge or discern who or who is not a believer based on what we see now the scripture did what did jesus say judge a tree by the fruit that it bears mm -hmm. right right but now how do we live that out practically what is it, what type what context is, what does that mean for us right does that mean we are the ones who are to say, okay, you know what? You're not really a Christian because you're doing X, Y, Z. You don't know God. Right. Because I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that. But we got to remember the context of what John is addressing here, right? Because you remember that he was, when he wrote this letter, it was to reject false teachers, all right, that were trying, that were infiltrating, they were infiltrating the churches, all right. So, but you, in relation to people that are around you, in relation to you know your your fellow your fellow Christians, your fellow professing Christians, it's not your job or my job. To be the Holy Ghost police mm -hmm. to try to check and see who Christian who ain't, because at the end of the day, if if a person isn't really a believer and they're in in our midst, they're in your midst, it's gonna come to a head eventually. But see, if you continue to live your life and let your light shine, it's gonna it's gonna do one or two things. It's going to help truly draw this person out of where they are mm -hmm. or it, it'll expose the darkness and it will, and they, it, it will repel them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One or the other is going to happen. <laughs> but it ain't it ain't for me to beat, it up, beat them upside the head with it. Mm -hmm. Now, the scripture says what? It says speak the truth in love. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, to so there's. There's going to be some times where, yeah, you you know, you may have a you may have a confrontational conversation with this person, mm -hmm. but the Holy Spirit, if we lean on Him, He'll He'll guide us on how to how to go walk through all that, mm -hmm. how to present that. But when we try to do this stuff in our flesh, that's mm -hmm. where we have problems. Right. 
and that's what we call conflicts and blow people blow stuff up and then people just fall out with the church and all that stuff and then you know it just, it, it just becomes a, a problem you know like i said we, we only do no. with certain behaviors where where you know say okay yeah you can't be saved because you're doing this mm-hmm. so it's only certain ones but you know we could Person, you can be judgmental all you want. Mm-hmm. You could be a, you could live a lifestyle. You could, you could practice unforgiveness, no, right. or you could practice strife, mm-hmm. or practice gluttony. Oh, yeah, we do yeah. all that stuff. The reality is, we do, right. but we don't about those. But we don't, no, nah, we don't call that out. It's just a, it's a yeah. couple that you know, a couple of lifestyles that yeah. we jump on and say, well, they can't, they can't be Christian. But if we looked inside your heart, well, you practice gossip. <laughs> yeah, you've been a practicing gospel for the past two decades. Yeah. Right, and if can I add something to these passages of scripture here, and and please check me, Julius, if I'm off a little bit. But you know, I I enjoy all the um, you know different versions of you know the Bibles written in. I use them all, but if you look at the King James, <clears throat> it's it's real straightforward. It don't mince words. It don't even try to give you explanation, like use the word practice and things like that. But if you, if we stick with what we were just talking about, being on like team righteousness or team sin, and we read it in that context, like, okay, I'm on team righteousness, so I don't have nothing to do with sin, regardless if I'm sinning. And if I'm on team sin, you don't have nothing to do with righteousness, even though, man, you dotting like almost all the I's and crossing almost all the T's, but you're still not on team righteousness team. So when you look at it and read it in that context, it says like, he that commits sin is of the devil. Well, sure, he commits sins of the devil. But what does that have to do with us? Because we're believers, so we don't commit sin. We never commit sin anymore because God never counts our sins against us anymore. So we're not even in on that team. But anybody else, they could be, you know, whomever, Pope or whatever, if he's not a believer and had put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, then he's on that team. He didn't commit sin is of the devil. He's on that that team, whomever that person might be. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have. That's good. That's good. But I know Andrew explained the scripture that says he that is um, born of God cannot sin. Now he was talking about, and you understand body, so he was talking about your spirit. Yes. When you sin, your spirit don't participate. Your spirit is 100% like God. So that's what he's talking about when it says Whoever is born of God does not sin. This means your spirit man does not participate. Now, right. It's been made righteous just like you. It's 100% like that. So that's what he's talking about. And see, I didn't understand that until I studied his book, Body, Soul, Spirit, Soul, and Body. Yeah, and when I got to like, okay, boom, that didn't make sense. Yeah. You know, but if you just thinking when you read that, oh, because the thing is, if you read that, with, with a uh, common mind, say, okay, whoever's born of God can I mean, did not sin, then you'd be like, okay, well, nobody qualified. Because everybody sin, right? I mean, they just tell you in Romans, we all missed the mark. So who's living out this scripture if you see it that way? Nobody. It's like, okay, well, we all in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's good. I'm going to go back to Romans. Keep reading. Just think about everything that Kevin presented, 1 John 3, all right? And then we're going to keep reading. Verse 15. In the New Living, it says, Well then, 
since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. This is the second time you've asked that question in the same chapter. Second time. Verse 16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Verse 17. Thank God. Once you, you were slaves to, of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Let's read that in the King James. Verse 16 through 18, it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So the slave, the slavitude to sin, to the old old man, is gone. Now we are in a position where we can choose to yield to righteousness or yield to the flesh. So we can present ourselves as indentured servants to sin or we can yield to righteousness. But the reality is since the power of what God has done in Christ Jesus setting us free, he has given us that ability to walk in his nature. And when Paul says, I die daily, right? What is he really talking about? Instead, yielding to the Holy Spirit day by day. Rejecting the dictates of the flesh. Rejecting the temptation of the flesh. Making the decision to yield to the spirit day by day. Let me keep reading. Verse 19. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. Now, let me read that in King James. It says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and in to iniquity, and unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then, and those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of the, those things is death. But now being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a root of holiness and there's a fruit of holiness. Now see, you stole my line, man. I was just about to go there. He already knew where I was going. Because he used the word fruit. Mm -hmm. He didn't say the root of holiness. You have the fruit unto holiness. That, that revelation of your identity in Christ Jesus, your righteousness, the gift of righteousness, the revelation of that is the root. 
And the fruit is holy living. Mm -hmm. We know what the, the root ain't right. And the fruit ain't be right neither, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's go to um, Hebrews 10. To go back to the other point that Kevin made when he was talking about consciousness. Hebrews 10, we'll look at verses 1 and 2. King James, Hebrews 10, 1 and 2 says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the, the comers unto thereunto perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have no more consciousness of sin. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible for the blood of goat bulls and goats should take away sin. So you see how verse 3, those sacrifices... In the, in the first in, in the New Living Translation, it says, but instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. Well, and verse two really goes with what he was saying is um, there shouldn't be any more consciousness of sin. If, in fact, we're righteous in Christ, we don't, we don't preach that. Right. But see, the old sacrificial system, the shadow of what was to come, could not do that. Yeah. All right, let me keep going. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he came cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Verse 8. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not. Neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He take away the first and he that he may establish the second. By the which we all we were all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In every priest stand of daily ministering and offering offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which could never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he had perfected forever them that are sanctified. So who are you talking about? Jesus. All right. So, you know, you know, it's it, putting a we're like putting on the mind of Christ right now. You know, what you just read, and you know the things we were talking about. I mean, it is just it's real powerful. Um, if we can hold that mindset and keep that thought and how righteous we are, you know, then we won't 
you know, those scriptures, the ones that uh, if, that Eric brought up in First John, First John three. You know, we would stumble reading some of those things with that righteousness mentality and how Jesus has just perfected us so much, and we have got this whole new suit on, and we don't have nothing to do with sin. You know, because I mean, if you keep on reading this. <laughs> And that's probably another class, but uh, you're going to run into another passage of scripture where people sometimes stumble or not understand about sinning willfully, you know, but, you know, understanding just how right Jesus has made us and resting in that and being in that, it just really has helped me when I'm reading scripture to read it totally different. And how when I read it before, it's like, man, I didn't understand that. Or how can this be? You know, now I'm losing my sin. I mean, losing my right. What's going on? But that's awesome. I really enjoy this class. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let's see. He not gonna get me to do it. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go down to that last scripture. We, we, we ain't got get no, us another class. We ain't got no day. time. We ain't got no time. Yeah. But the thing about it is, you know, when you talk, when you're looking at things through that through the grace glasses, through the finished work. When you're looking at the scripture through the finished work of Jesus, then you it, it opens things up to hear, to, to see things clearer. You know? Yeah. But when you got those law glasses on. There's certain things that you just can't see. You just can't see it. And that's scripture. Let's go to first second Corinthians three. That's one of them. <laughs> yep. All right. We'll go to verse thirteen. Let's start at verse thirteen. All right. I read in the King James. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. You see that? Verse 14. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the, the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. I want to read verse 14 and verse 17 and 18 in the Amplified. Look at verse 14. It says, but in fact, their minds were hardened for they had lost the ability to understand. For until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed only in Christ. I read verse 15 and 16 too. It says, but to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil of blindness lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, true freedom. And we all with unveiled face continually see, seeing as in, a mirror of the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So how the revelation of God's grace opens up your eyes to see. 
And the more time we spend looking at his face, we start to reflect him more and more. And the things of this world will go strangely dim. <laughs> so it reminds me of. That's good. That's good. All right, so the question is, are you dead to sin? Are you dead to sin? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Consider. All right. Consider yourself dead. Consider, say, reckon. It's not going to be country. Reading that King James, reckon yourself dead to sin. Counting terms. Actually, it's a nice term because you know when we think of accounting it's just black and white it's not the emotions guarding uh, guiding it and so often where most of us get hung up is we don't feel something right so that's when good. we reckon it we say yes yeah. it's just what god says is true is true and that settles it that's good that's good because dead person don't have feelings, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we are dead to sin, but alive to righteousness. Alive to righteousness. All right, social media family. We thank you once again for joining us. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye. All right. It's good seeing you. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night.